Whatever job you need to do out there, grab the right tool to get it done. The new F-150 with an available hybrid engine and up to 7.2 kilowatts of pro power on board to power things on the go. It's not a tool you'll hang in a tool shed, but you can certainly use it to build one. The new 2024 Ford F-150. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024. Optional features the owner's manual for important operating instructions. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Road to World Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined as always by Mr. Denny Carter. It is week two. We finally have stats. We finally have data. We finally have usage patterns, but we also have injuries. So Denny and I are going to dive into all of it, talking about some of week one's most fascinating situations and the going forward implications, including what to expect from this week's big waiver wire additions. But first, Denny, in addition to stats, in addition to data, we have new coaches. And it was a better week for some of the new coaches than others. We might touch on the latter, a.k.a. the worst uh, weeks, in a moment. But you actually wanted to start with a rare th- – you wanted to start with positivity? What's this I, I did. all about? I, yeah, and, and this is because it, it, this, positive, this positive development actually confirmed my priors – which is very rare. Uh, it is uh, my new, our new analytics king, Brian Dayball, going for two and the win at the end of the game against the Titans. The, the, okay, there are some things, some thoughts I want to get out there. One, way to go, Brian, if you're listening. I know you are. Uh, that It was the right call no matter what happened. Okay. But which, what happened was, of course, the Titans immediately got into position to kick a game-winning field goal and just happened to miss it. But it was, but it was the, it was the correct call. No matter what happened, good the job was there. Uh, and 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 the national media uh, is giving Brian Dable credit because it worked. Which that stinks. That stinks. He should be given credit for making the call. N- the results have nothing to do with it. Uh, so we, hey, you know what? We, we talk on the show all the time about it would be nice if the analytics worked <laughs> once in a while. They worked. They worked. They worked one time. So we have that going for us, which is nice. Um, and, and also this has flipped my allegiance. So I have been a, a, an avowed and committed giants hater for the past few seasons, uh, mostly because Joe judge was the head coach of the team and they were doing things like Joe judge to- threatened to come to your house, beat up your family. Uh, I may be yeah. making that up, but well, the, the, his, his fans did. And the funniest thing that happened after the giants won is that I received messages from giants fans with whom I have quarreled very much saying, how do you like me now? And my answer was, 
I like you fine now. <laughs> this is good. I like Brian Dable. Do you not? Do you not get why I was not liking the Giants? Is that you think it was the blue uniforms? That you think that was the thing, or do you think it was Joe Judge who had a prehistoric approach to the game of football that I that I dislike? It might have been that. Yeah, Joe Judge threw it back to 1894, Princeton, Harvard, pretty much. But even they, even like Pip Lolly Stockings, the coach of the 1894 Princeton, like, yeah, maybe don't quarterback sneak from your own two-yard line. Yeah, well, what are you doing there, son? You know, <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually why he invented the forward pass. He was uh, someone who went back in time and was so disgusted by Joe Judge. Like, I have to right. invent the forward pass. Right. He, got, he got here in t- 2021. He saw the quarterback sneak in the shadow of his own goalpost, and he said, oh, oh dear God, I got to go back, and I got to change the future. It sounds like you are flying a mission accomplished banner for analytics. Is that true? I mean, it, it, this, is, this is significant, I, I think, uh, that, a, that a, a stodgy, stuck-in-its-ways organization like the Giants would hire someone like this who's willing to go for two for the win in the fourth quarter. That, that's progress. That's progress. The Giants, the Raiders, Washington, the Cowboys, the Bears, these old franchises are stuck. They're stuck, and they have been for many years, uh, and now maybe the Giants are, not, are unstuck. Where first John Harbaugh failed five to six times, five to six games in a row last year with the attempted <laughs> walk-off two-point conversion. Brian Dable finally converted. And speaking of walk-offs, uh, Nathaniel Hackett had a little different plan in mind yeah. on Monday night where they got their new quarter-billion-dollar quarterback, and they have three timeouts in 54 seconds. But instead of trying to get five yards, Denny, they attempted a 64-yard yeah. field goal, much to the horror of this nation, uh, is, is is there any hope for Nathaniel Hackett? I feel like I feel like that's an instant like, well, this guy's going to be gone in less than two years type of decision. Am I yeah, wrong? it's a uh, it's over uh, pretty much. For, <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, they'll ride out this year, probably next year as well. But come on, I mean, it, it, literally no one can have that approach. Uh, desperately trying not to lose that 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 was the overriding goal there. I don't want to lose. I don't want to win, but I don't want to lose. That was, you know, that uh, that precipitated what happened. Uh, that that's a huge red flag. Um, and again, once again, I'm asking NFL organizations, please, please have your coaches play video games so that they know Seriously. what to do in those situations. We need simulations for every coach. I mean, seriously, you've got to play that too. You know to run up the score. You know to pad the stats if you ever play the video games and. With Nathaniel Hackett, so I was pretty sure it was over. Denny choking, laughing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was pretty sure it was over when he made the field goal decision. I think when I really knew it was over for Nathaniel Hackett is I was watching his post game press conference, and he addressed someone in the media as "sir." I'm like I'm like, you can't, Nathaniel. If you have respect for the media, like uh, yeah. you're not going to last long in this NFL coach fraternity. You were supposed to loathe the media. You were supposed to treat us with nothing but contempt yeah and like having respect for the media i was like wow this guy's in out of his yeah he's probably too nice i think that that that, that's the issue i mean i i get it if you're like a if you're like one of these prodigies like a sean mcveigh who is 15 to 20 years if you're a literal kid like sean mcveigh you have a little respect for the media then saying sir to a guy who has covered your team since before you were born i think that's okay Yeah, yeah um but nathaniel hackett is no spring chicken 
And and I, I, I am concerned about that too. Yeah, we're ostensibly in the media, but I mean, treat us with contempt. Yeah, no, you <laughs> like, gotta uh, kick us in the teeth and things. Yeah, please. That's just not that was a really, really bad sign. Um, but you know, well, these coaches, we'll see what happens. Yeah, Nathaniel Hackett, two years tops. I think that's yeah, pretty much settled. They, they made a huge mistake. Brian Dable, Lombardi's and his future. Denny, the first place fantasy managers will be looking for waiver wire salvation is the 49ers backfield and Jeff Wilson following Elijah Mitchell's knee injuries out two months. Jeff Wilson looks good on paper, the lead back and a run first offense, but as hardened fantasy veterans know, the road to Kyle Shanahan hell is paved with the best of waiver wire intentions, Denny. Is Wilson actually going to help people or will this be a committified mess you know, will Tyrion Davis Price just suddenly be the lead back after being inactive last week? Will Jordan Mason live up to the hype, or should we actually believe in Jeff Wilson? I so I couched my Jeff Wilson take in the waiver wire column, which you can find on NBCSportsEdge.com. I couched it with saying that you know, a you have Debo in the backfield, b you have Trey Lance in the backfield, and then c and not insignificantly, you have. Uh, Tyrion Davis Price who will probably be active this week. If he's not active, that's a huge development. If he's not but, active, then talk about someone who will be joining Nathaniel Hackett, like in the bread line. Right. Um, if TDP right. is not active this week. So TDP, as the kids are calling him, he will be active. And the reason he wasn't active, and our own Ray Summerlin actually made this point on Twitter today. I think it's a, I think it's a good uh, you know dot connecting process here. Uh, Mason, the the third string running back for. Um, uh, for the Niners, for the San Francisco 49ers. Yeah, that was the name, Jordan Mason. Yeah, it's Jordan Mason. Did he? So, did he? I believe he didn't play a single snap. He didn't play, that, but he played special teams, which is why maybe he was up and TDP was down, right? And so with the injury to Mitchell, uh, TDP comes in, and then Mason continues to play special teams. Anyway, I think I do think TDP needs to be uh, rostered in a lot of leagues, maybe not every league, but a lot of leagues. I do think Jeff Wilson gets the first crack at it, but we know Kyle Shanahan. We know he won't be hesitant to flip the switch if Jeff Wilson is not effective. And honestly, Jeff Wilson has not been effective in a long time. He's pretty much never been effective. He's had a few really big games. He had a 180 yard game at one point, but I mean, he's Jeff Wilson's not a lead back. Like he's a classic like cog in a committee. And you mentioned, you know, the Debo threat, the Trey Lance threat, they both outrushed Jeff or Jeff Wilson on yeah. Sunday. Elijah Mitchell outrushed Jeff Wilson despite being in the game for like five minutes. And it's it's one of those classic situations where like you can't not add Jeff Wilson. And you know, some teams probably already really in trouble at running back, but I wouldn't be like emptying the fab clip on Jeff Wilson. I, I will very much say I think Jeff Wilson honestly is gonna like max out as a flex. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think that uh Honestly, I know you're you're probably gonna cut my mic here, but that's fine. Uh, I'll cut it. It's fine. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with someone who would rather add Rex Burkhead. Oof. I mean, I, I I never cut your mic when you tell the truth. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> there is a lot of truth in that really really dismal dark sentence that was just uttered by you. But yeah, I mean, what what do you? Would it really be surprising if Jeff Wilson wasn't even the lead back in week two? I mean, that would be a bit, even for Shanny, a bit over the top. But I feel like you can't, like, count that out, can you? Well, okay. So, per uh, our own Patrick Corain's uh, pass rate over expected stats, 
San Francisco was uh, minus 19%, negative 19% under their expected pass rate. That is the lowest in the league. I know the the rain. Yeah, I will say, I honestly, I really just don't. I I know everyone kind of knows. I don't think you can take any of the passing stats from either the Bears or the 49ers at face value on Sunday. It was some of the worst weather I've ever seen in an NFL game. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I do think that this is probably a bottom three team as far as pass rate goes. So, you know, that that could fuel some volume for Jeff Wilson. Um, I, I don't I don't know. I think that the rushing quarterback thing is is quite could be quite the hit to anyone who's who's back there for the Niners. I haven't done like a huge like think on the rankings yet, but I think I'm going to have Jeff Wilson, like the RB 30 range. And if you're hoping for a plug and play RB two, like Elijah Mitchell was, I just, I just don't think that's happening here. And so Adam make a reasonable bid, but like live to fight another day, basically, if you really need a running back and uh, you've got fab to burn because you do, because it's week two. Um, so hopefully yeah. you still have fab to burn, but uh, yeah, live to fight another day is what I would say with Jeff Wilson. Beyond San Francisco, Denny, we have the Los Angeles Chargers in a receiver core road tripping to Kansas City on a short week without Keenan Allen, at least we think without Keenan Allen. That is not official yet for a 54-and-a-half totaled affair. Fantasy managers who took late-round flyers on Josh Palmer were probably disappointed by his week two output. DeAndre Carter was kind of disappointingly involved, but uh, pro football focuses Nathan Yonke charted Josh Palmer is playing every snap and two receiver sets. Uh, so the usage was still pretty good. Is he a preferred ad who will immediately start paying dividends for fantasy managers who didn't draft Josh Palmer this summer? Yeah, I, I don't know if we can put too much stock in what happened in week one. It, that was a weird situation where uh, not no single Chargers pass catcher saw more than four targets, which is just incredibly weird. Uh, Keenan yeah, Allen was kind of a back and forth game too. How is that possible? I don't know, but Keenan Allen was on his way to a big game. His absence creates a huge, a, a huge hole in the, in the target share for, uh, for LA, uh, Josh Palmer, you know, with, uh, with Keenan Allen out last year for one game, uh, led in all in every metric that you could possibly look at. Um, he was actually the wide receiver one for the chargers that, that week. So yes, it was disappointing last week. But I, this is your chance. Like, like you're not, you may not get a whole lot of chances to confidently use Josh Palmer in 12 team leagues. This is your chance. Yeah, I think you just totally shake it off. You don't worry about DeAndre Carter, who apparently is the next man up in the receiver core. Looks like he's the the fourth receiver yeah. over Jalen Guyton. But I, again, he was charged as playing every snap in two receiver sets after Keenan Allen left the game. So that's really the only bullet point that matters for me with Josh Palmer in week two. Disappointing as the targets were. I mean. Th- uh, do you have any thoughts on Mike Williams, by the way? We we, we weren't going to talk about this, but yeah. is there any f- four targets? Like you said, by definition, no one had more than four targets. Have you come across any Mike Williams factoids? Or is I, it just Mike Williams being Mike Williams? Yeah, I have not. Uh, and I have looked, actually. But he, he, he <laughs> led... He led the team in pass routes uh, against the Raiders, and he led the he led the receivers in snaps by uh, by a pretty good margin. Again, you know, four targets. It's just, uh, oh, man, it's it's pretty baffling. You would think that Brandon Staley's like analytics say you get tired after more than four targets. Right. Kind of like in baseball, you don't want the pitcher facing the lineup a third time. 
So they've set a hard cap for everyone's targets per game at four. I didn't know that about baseball. That's interesting. <laughs> it's actually pretty disappointing with the Chargers, though, Denny. It, um, it, it is. Yeah, it is. Uh, more than four targets now for Keenan Allen. I feel like we have to adjust. Well, uh, and I would say don't freak out. I also say uh, this moving back to serious mode now <laughs> uh, with you. Don't You're saying don't freak out about Mike Williams. Yes, I'm sorry. I, I I lost your I lost your the the joke took on so many levels that I wasn't sure where we were. <laughs> so went down a few different rabbit holes. So my brain just started to tune it all out. Yeah, don't freak out. I mean, if you drafted Mike Williams, um, and you and you hated yourself in week one, um, you know, first of all, welcome to the club, and secondly, uh, you're playing him in a game that should go back and forth. Um, Mike Williams has had big games against Kansas City's secondary, so. Just plug him in, and uh, I, I believe things will get better. It's pretty bad that a riff actually broke your brain. I wasn't it sure did. that was possible. It did. You, <laughs> you, you riffed so hard that my brain said, nope, I, we can't, I cannot process it. So I was trying to hold on to two thoughts at the same time, your riff and then Mike Williams, and I just decided, nope, I'm going with Mike Williams. <laughs> you didn't know the third time through the order thing, by the way? It's no. one of the many things ruining baseball right now. Uh, like we have no ace pitchers anymore. Because, yeah, your, right. your numbers decline precipitously when you face a lineup for the third time. Uh, um, real quick, I just for, on baseball, they're banning the shift. Is that correct? They are. Okay, they are. and that's bad. No, I've come around on it, to oh, be honest. Okay. Most of the real baseball heads are, like, aghast. Like, all, like, the, the Sabre people I really like and respect on Twitter. Most are aghast. Some are coming around, like our very own Chris Crawford, who's one of the smartest baseball people I know. And... The counter argument has been, well, if you want to beat the shift, just become an all fields hitter, you know, right. like Rod Carew did. But now they throw 97 mile per hour sliders. And oh, I see. It's a little okay. hard to okay. go oppo. Yeah. And pitchers have the nastiest stuff in human existence. All right. So this is evening it up a little bit. It's evening it up a little bit. And it's very drastic. It is very, very, very drastic. But I, I had come to believe it was time for drastic action. And I've also, any normal fan I've talked to whatsoever, a.k.a. someone who's not a daily Twitter user, has just been, like, dying for the shift to go away. Okay, okay. And um, it could have unintended consequences, but I'm a fan. And Chris Crawford, uh, check him out. He's an amazing writer. He agrees with me. So, Kenny, it's week two, and Dak Prescott is already injured again. Um, like an emotional Pete Carroll challenge, Jerry Jones has declined to place Prescott on injured reserve despite a four to six week timetable following thumb surgery. So at least in theory, he could be back soon. But what does the landscape look like now for what could be one of, honestly, the league's worst offenses? Well, Prescott, well, that was one of the league's worst offenses, even with Dak Prescott on Sunday night against the Bucks. So before I just want to share this before Prescott's injury, uh, he had the lowest Completion rate over expected of anyone who played in week one. Okay. And it by far, like it is, it, it was, it was bad. So the Cowboys season was over before this. Um, and now it's extra over. Um, and I, I, when I was talking on the waiver wire stream earlier today on the NFL and NBC YouTube page, folks were asking, do I pick up Josh Palmer and play him over CD lamb this week? Oh, man. And I, if I were in that position, I have to say that I would seriously uh, consider it. Uh, I don't know about that. 
I, I, you know, I, this, this Cowboys offense is, is uh, a disaster with, with, with Cooper rush going forward. It's a disaster. It was also a really banged up offensive line against a really, really elite defensive front in the Tampa Bay Bucks. Like, I feel like things can't be quite as bad up front for the Cowboys as they were against the Bucks. The Bengals, I mean, are kind of an opportunistic defense, but I mean, what is Cooper rush going to do? I feel like he's going to lock on to CeeDee Lamb. But also, though, it would be nice, just like if the analytics were ever right, it would be nice if CeeDee Lamb were ever good. <laughs> uh, look, I, I'm just saying it wasn't it wasn't going well before the Dak injury, was it? It's not yeah. like, oh, CeeDee Lamb's blowing up. No, CeeDee Lamb was invisible uh, yeah. before the Dak injury. And guess what? He was invisible after. And it was Noah Brown who was getting all the looks. I'm just saying. Just, it would be nice. It would be. CeeDee, though, man, what a tough situation. Um I, I, I'm keeping CD in the top 24. I have plunged yeah. CD Lamb to like low end wide receiver two, and in my initial yeah that makes sense. Ranking. Is there anyone? I mean, there's no one that benefits from this, obviously. No, uh, no, no. Is Zeke Elliott still a top 24 running back? Probably just just through sheer volume alone. Is it what is it? What is sheer volume in Zeke Land these days? Though it's like 16 carries. The thing, he never gets fewer than 16 carries. But I feel like he never gets more than 16 carries. Either. Yeah, it's always always exactly 16. That 17th uh, carry through the lineup. I'm looking at his game log over the last three years. It's 16 all the way down. Uh, that's wow. <laughs> the mainstream media should be talking about this. No, one. and no one does. Uh, no, it's it, you know it's really bad. It's really bad for everybody. It's bad for Dalton Schultz. Um, bad for lamb i think it's neutral for dalton schultz also because i feel like he'll just remain like the easy targets receptacle like cooper rush like well hopefully hopefully i'm bad we're bad guess what folks dalton schultz getting another target (laughs) that's all i can do and uh still be a top six tight end i think dalton schultz but yep not looking good for the dallas cowboys what is looking good is the rest of the show when we are right back after this Chapter 1, Wayfair welcomes you to the neighborhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the neighborhood," she said, where Wayfair helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter 2. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home. Join the new Roto World League in the NBC Sports Predictor app and play Sunday Night 7 every Sunday with all of us here at Roto World for a shot at $100,000. That's right. We created a league to let you see how you stack up against our fantasy football experts all season long. It's easy to join and play. Simply download the app, create or sign into your account, click leagues, and use code ROTO22. That is ROTO22 to play. And just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app, Go download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, Major League Baseball, on the NASCAR circuit, and in the Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grabs by guessing the outcome between the Vikings and Eagles in our Sunday Night 7 contest. Denny, the Premier League mentioned in that promo, the Premier League didn't play last week out of deference to the passing of Queen Elizabeth II. The NFL could have and, taken uh, some notes. Yeah, they could have. Yes. Uh, like, yeah, no. The NFL has never – well, they did. They actually did cancel for 9-11. They delayed no, an no, entire week. I don't think they – No, they did. They delayed an entire week. Oh, it was. It yeah. was. I'm sorry. And then I remember because the following week 
was a was a, an emotional victory for the Dolphins over the Raiders at home. I think they controversially played after JFK was killed, mm. uh, but I could be totally making it up. Someone should get on the world's uh, number one definitive history source, Wikipedia, and look up. But, by the way, Pat, we have we have some breaking kicker news that I need to share with the folks. Uh, Rodrigo Blankenship has been cut. By Are you serious? The Colts, yes. Oh man. And, uh, he so what happened was he kicked two balls out of bounds on kickoffs against Houston, and uh, he missed a critical field goal. He went full Vanderjag basically um, against the Texans, and he is now jobless. That, that that's tough. I I I feel I feel for the kid. Uh, he was very good as a rookie. He had a hip injury last year. He seemed to be back, and they have cut him. I think Josh Lambeau will kick for Indianapolis. He is worthy of your consideration. You want to talk about a real one, Rodrigo Blankenship. He'll be back. He'll be back. I hope so. He'll be better than ever. Real quick, putting a bow in the Cowboys conversation we had earlier. We had had a a viewer ask, would we drop Michael Gallup, who seemed very close to playing in week one, now could be looking at three or four weeks without Dak Prescott. Would you keep the faith with Michael Gallup or would you drop Michael Gallup? I would I would try to keep the faith. Uh, I, I would keep you know, the faith, just I, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I I think you know if if Dak comes back in four to six weeks or whatever, maybe more, um, and Michael Gallup takes on that wide receiver two role, he could have a lot of volume just like off the bat. Uh, so you know, twelve team league with a standard size bench, I think that you can keep him. Yeah, I, uh, that offense definitely needed a second safe haven for wide receiver targets and. Michael Gallup will be seeing a lot. He's in a 10-team league, by the way. Would you drop him in a 10-team? I I would. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, sorry, Michael Gallup. Uh, We hope you get better soon, but we can't roster you. We just can't do it in this 10-team league. One of the most fascinating develops of week one was Antonio Gibson not only operating as the commander's lead back, but actually out-targeting J.D. McKissick 8-3. to There's some wrinkles in that data that we will get to in a second. But, Denny, is this the moment fantasy Antonio Gibson dead-enders have been waiting for? Is he, has he finally arrived? <laughs> you speak so highly. Of, no, I'm sorry. Uh, was, that, was that a leading uh, intro? Dead-enders. <laughs> well, if you look at the stats, uh, well, look, Gibson ran 26 routes to 17 routes for McKissick, obviously had that 8-3 to three target advantage, uh, had 14 carries to 3-4 McKissick. So, I think the usage was was good, but the thing is, uh, McKissick was was doing the whole third down role thing, and uh, you know Gibson really Gibson's role didn't really change. The production changed, which was nice, but the role didn't change dramatically. Yeah, and Pro Football Focus charted McKissick is still playing every third and long, and playing every snap in the hurry up and the two minute drill. So it yeah. It, I don't think the role change was as big as meets the eye, but the usage change is interesting. It's Carson Wentz, a guy who's not known for targeting receivers. We actually will get to that in a second, but who likes to throw to anyone other than wide receivers. So you have to take note of eight targets from Carson Wentz in you know, his first game with the quarterback. And I would also say with Antonio Gibson, maybe it's a situation where at least until Brian Robinson gets back, where it's like kind of like Joe Mixon, where he's not playing every third down, but he's playing like enough third downs. Like maybe he's not playing like in the really high leverage third down situations, but he plays like enough third downs. He starts, you know, he's not proven as a pass catcher just to get enough targets or it's frustrating that he's not like the third down back, but maybe the role expands like just enough 
to make it. And Gibson was someone you have to really react strongly to week one developments. Like you can't wait around and like, like, so like a lot of times week two rankings can kind of be like whiplash from what you've been looking at all summer. Yeah. Cause you have to have, you have to acknowledge reality. And I think one of those realities that some people are already doing this. I was being really cautious with Antonio Gibson. I kept him more as a flex than an RB two, but you definitely have to treat him as an RB two for week two. Yeah. And you know, uh, he's still, he's probably going to get goal line carries. He's a short yardage back. Um, and, and by the way, the, you know, the commanders have a pretty nice matchup against, uh, what looks like not, not a great Lions defense. Yeah, the commanders, uh, a lot going on with the commanders in week one. Curtis Samuel comes back for 11 targets. He turned him in only 55 yards, eight catches, but he did score a touchdown. Kind of like the current, I mean, four carries for a guy who like, kind of like dabbled in being Debo yeah. before Debo was Debo. Really interesting week for Curtis Samuel. And then Jahan Dotson scores two touchdowns in his NFL debut, only on three catches. Uh, so like, a lot of really, really weird stat lines for the commanders. And just what are the, what are your takeaways for people who are either at, thinking about adding Jahan Dotson, adding Curtis Samuel, have yeah. already added Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson? Like what is like real there? What can maybe be sustainable going forward? The question I've gotten a lot today is, do I add Dotson or Samuel? And the answer, you know, based mostly on week one usage is Samuel to me. Uh, Dotson's final line against Jacksonville looks a lot better than it, than it should have been with those two touchdowns was not targeted heavily. I think five targets on a bunch of routes. He ran as many routes as Terry McLaurin and only got the five targets. Whereas, uh, uh, uh Curtis Samuel ran at route on 80%, which is strong, which is strong, but it's not 90 plus percent. Like, like Dotson and his target per route run was way higher and get this pat his a dot his average at the tar- target was under two. We are wow. talking about a full PPR scam going on <laughs> with with uh, Curtis Samuel, and I love it. I think you you add him. There was a lot of that. Got I me mean, 42, 41 attempts. Excuse me for Carson Wentz. I, I wonder if that's going to be the plan every week. Yeah, the well, they were they were way above. Look, look there, there were some shocking things, and I don't want to get too far afield here, but uh, you have at the top of the pass rate over expected for Week One. You have the Dolphins, the Chiefs, the Seahawks, and Washington. Yeah, that is, man, that is very interesting. Uh, so I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe they'll be way, you know, the commanders will be actually somewhat pass heavy. I mean, they, they didn't have to be, they didn't have to be against the It's Jack. still Scott Turner, right? Is their offensive coordinator? Yeah. <laughs> like he, he's always kind of wanted to be pass heavy. So maybe like he trusts his person. Well, it's crazy when Carson Wentz is the guy you trust. But uh, I mean, Wentz, you gotta, I know you gotta give him, you gotta give him credit. You do. You gotta give him a little credit. You, you gotta hand it to him. You still, you do, you you always got to hand it to Carson Wentz, who is, he's better than Taylor Heineke. I will admit it. Good. Yeah. I mean, we we'll like really way better. Yes. Yeah. Taylor Heineke. We love our, our meme QBs, but they usually fail pretty hard or fall mm-hmm. pretty hard. Taylor Heineke was, a, it was a swift rise and an even swifter fall. Yeah. Um, may God rest his soul. He's still Jeez. with us. Oh, uh, Denny, another offense with fascinating week one goings ons. How do you what's how do you say that phrase? Uh, <laughs> Definitely not that. Going on, uh, goings on, goings on. There we go. Uh, a lot of fascinating goings on with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where Julio Jones was looking at something close to back, and Rashad White operated as the clear number two back and the clear number one after Leonard Fournette limped off the field late. 
We'll get to Rashad White in just a minute, but we'll start with Julio. Do you think there's some wide receiver three juice here? I do. I do. Um, you, folks were asking me today on the, on the waiver wire stream, why didn't you mention Julio? Well, he's rostered in, in too many leagues, but not, I guess not that many because people are saying, well, Julio's out there. Look, uh, he ran um, uh, 22 targets. I'm sorry. <laughs> he ran 22 routes uh, against, against the Cowboys. Uh, that was second on the team behind Mike Evans, who ran 23. Now, there, were, there was a lot of garbage time uh, in, the, in the fourth quarter, and Julio was on the bench uh, yucking it up with his teammates, his new teammates. You'd but yeah, to see I, that the chemistry. Yeah, I, I I did five targets on those twenty-two routes. Uh, he caught he caught a long one, ended up with sixty-nine yards. And I I, I do I think that uh, he's going to be probably the wide receiver too behind Evans with Chris Godwin out. Um, and in this run-heavy, I'm sorry, pass-heavy Bucks offense, uh, I think I think Julio is really interesting. I think even when Godwin comes back, Julio could be in the top thirty-six and. We saw a buck situation last year where they probably would have three top 24 wide receivers if everyone had been healthy at the same time and Antonio Brown had not been Antonio Brown. So I don't think three like top 36 will be all that crazy. And Julio, I, I think next gen stats recorded him with one of like the fastest top speeds yeah. of any player in the NFL in week one. So physically still seems to be there. It's just a matter if he can keep his hamstrings healthy. But I, I think even with God, even if God, the Bucks have also said Godwin's injury is not as serious as they feared, so maybe it won't be a long absence for Godwin. Uh, I think Julio, even with Godwin, could be top thirty-six, and this week maybe could push for top twenty-four wide receiver two valuation. I think so. I, I think so. I'd, um, you know, he's t- Tom Brady looked to him. I think when when the game was in doubt. Uh, and I, th- I think for the first game, for your first game with a new team, I think that's great. I think it's a great indicator that he will be involved. Rashad White, I mean, is there? Any, can we really get excited here? Or Leonard Fournette, you know, I was an evangelist against Leonard Fournette this summer, and part of it was just his propensity to pick up soft tissue injuries the past few years, and he looked really good when healthy. I mean, he looked like a top 10 running back yeah, when healthy. Sure. Um, but then, yeah, he limped off late. There's no real indication that's like super serious or anything like that. But have we seen enough to already declare Rashad White the clear number two back? And is he someone, roster spots are at a premium. Is he someone maybe we should be keeping around in 12 team leagues, Rashad White? I I think so. Um, You know, if you rostered him before the season, go ahead and and hold on to him. I mean, he he was the lead back when Fournette. Uh, gimped to the sideline, and honestly, I, I thought I thought there was something to that. I mean, he apparently he's okay. I, I do think it's going to be worth tracking his practice participation, especially later in the week. I mean, Lenny's Lenny's old ish, and he's he's like twenty seven. He's uh, <laughs> but he seems that. very old. He he's an old twenty seven. He is very very. Now, old. What I was trying to say there is, I always think he's old, and when I look yeah. up his age, I'm like wow, still twenty seven, huh? Yeah, he's uh, twenty-seven, going on forty-seven. It seems, but uh, yeah, but but I I think Rashad White is clearly going to get something, maybe something even close to a three-down role in a very high-scoring uh, Bucks offense. So hang on to him, hang tight. He does seem to have dispatched Keyshawn Vaughn and Giovanni Bernard already. Yeah, I don't know Rashad what that White. all. Every time I mention Rashad White in the preseason, the, no, 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 Keyshawn Vaughn is the number two. What? Yeah, no. no. Not happening ever. Not now or ever. 
Um, over Bruce Arians' dead body. He's a special advisor to the GM, but that's still the one condition was as long as you don't play Keyshawn. The only, yeah, the only advising he does is to call every coach every week and go, do not play Keyshawn. And he has, I saw him in Jerry World. He had binoculars staring down the field. I, mean, I believe he was a healthy scratch, Keyshawn Vaughn. So there was actually no chance of him getting in the game. But he's making sure like none of the coaches were even talking to Keyshawn. Yeah. <laughs> So he was not a Keyshawn Vaughn fan. Denny, 59 Joe Flacco attempts powered strong performances from each of Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and Garrett Wilson in week one. But we would assume that is not going to be the plan going forward with the Jets. I will say I assumed that last year, and they just never stopped passing either. Uh, sorting through this snap and target data, what do you think some of the takeaways for fantasy managers should be going forward? Because I am – the Jets were like a very confusing situation. When I was doing my initial week two rankings. Yeah. Like, I don't really know how to separate Garrett Wilson and, and Corey Davis. I don't know where to rank like any of them. Like, for someone who like didn't see the game, hasn't done a deep dive in the data. I just I don't know what to think about the Jets wide receivers. Well, I did watch the game. Um, oh, that's right. And you got to get I, Sunday ticket. I've I'll never get Sunday ticket. Uh, <laughs> and and yeah, I, I mean everything is inflated. We have to remember that. You know, the Jets are probably not going to drop back. I think Flacco dropped back 64 times. Not not going to have that very often. So you have like Elijah Moore running 55 routes, Corey Davis running 42, Garrett Wilson running 35, and then Berrios running 29. Um, Wilson's involvement was was surprisingly solid. You know, eight targets on those 35 routes. Um, he, I think he is for right now, like, Corey Davis is probably the 2A and then Wilson is the 2B, but that that could flip. I think that, that that could flip with a little more experience, with a little more trust in Garrett Wilson. Remember, and this is a top 10 pick in the 2022 draft. Um, I, I could see Wilson taking on that role. Elijah Moore had a frustrating day, okay? He did, didn't he only have seven targets? He, he did, and you know, a lot of those, it could have been way, way better. Only seven targets on those 55 routes. He had a touchdown called back. He had another end zone target that if it was a slightly better throw, could have been a touchdown. If it had been any other human than Joe Flacco. Yeah. So we're, we're talking about a week one that could have looked really good and it ends up looking pretty bad. Don't lose the faith. Don't freak out. You're still starting him in 12 team leagues. This is weird. Cause I feel like all three of these jets receivers like have some claim to stake. Basically Elijah Moore, this seems to be the best and Seems to always be the person still catching the attention of the coaching staff and the Jets media. Garrett Wilson is the first round pick. Like you said, Corey Davis is the extremely highly paid veteran who was getting pretty good usage before he got hurt last year. I just feel like it's going to be a weird, weird situation to sort out. Like combined yeah. with the fact that this is not like the, the long-term quarterback. And I think it would have been more honorable, honorable to lose than a 64 Joe Flacco dropbacks. I just yeah. <laughs> like you need to just, I, I, that's one situation where you need to do the right thing and you just need to establish the run. Yeah. You, you know, cannot be having 64 Joe Flacco dropbacks in 2020. Yeah. It is kind of alarming, isn't it? Uh, Elijah Moore was had some good use. He had a 33% of his routes came from the slot. Um, as, as did Garrett Wilson also had 33% from the slot. So they, they sort of rotated there. Um, they moved. They definitely moved Elijah Mitchell around to try to keep him, uh, to try to get him open. It was just a matter of Joe Flacco not really being able to complete the process. He did complete the process of being Joe Flacco. Uh, God, did he? So he? He always does that. He's 
very, very, very good at doing that. Denny, in one of the greatest scams ever perpetrated <laughs> on a proud American people, we may be down, but we're not out in this country. Taysom Hill has tight end eligibility on a majority of fantasy football services. Yeah. And he had four carries for 81 yards and a touchdown in week one. Finishing is what these websites claim is the tight end three in PPR leagues. Denny, I watched this game. Taysom Hill is a quarterback, but we can't fight City Hall, it okay. appears, on this situation. So do we need to be taking this serious? I know a lot of best ball people were taking this seriously over the summer, sometimes half-jokingly, but people were planning for this eventu- eventu- eventuality. I can't say that word at all. Eventuality. Um what the heck do we do with this? Like, it's yeah. what, what do we do? What do we do? Give us guidance, President Carter. <laughs> so uh, the people should not despair. Uh, freedom I, from want, freedom from fear, uh, that kind of thing. So on and so forth. Look, if you're already Taysom pilled, then you're probably excited about starting him going forward. He only played 16 snaps against Atlanta. Uh, he ran four routes as a tight end. They do that. It's like just to keep up appearances because they know there's like IRS agents in the stands being like, you know, because this yeah, right. is obviously some elaborate tax scam being run. Uh, <laughs> Juwan Johnson ran uh, a route on, I think, 85% of Jameis Winston's dropbacks. So Juwan Johnson is is something. Um, Taysom Hill, I, I, I don't think we can like bank on – this happening every week. Uh, I know you wanted to share some thoughts about Alvin Kamara's usage against the Falcons, but Kamara had a rib injury that he picked up apparently during that week one game. Perhaps that influenced the way that Taysom Hill was used as a green zone rusher. He accounted for over half of the rushing production from the saints against the Falcons. Um, I, I, I wish I could be more definitive here, but I'm dubious. I'm dubious about how he's going to be used if this is if this is uh, can be consistent. The Taysom stuff, frankly, seemed to be like a designed series early in the first half, where clearly something they had installed during the week. And you don't do the Taysom series on like the first scripted series, but it seemed somewhat scripted. And it came at a point in the game where the Saints' offense had started out very lifelessly, and it helped that he gained 57 yards on one run, Taysom Hill. So I think they kind of like kept him in there. Right. It was like the hot hand maybe. Um, but it, 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 it seemed like a very like niche part of the game plan. And like not something that was going to be like a theme. And it basically just worked really, really, really well for that one series. Taysom, I, just, I really don't think you can be <laughs> trusting him as your tight end one. The weeks like this are going to be very, very few and far between. He's also very injury prone. I mean, as much as that is a thing, we know that might not even be a thing. Taysom is, he's banged up a lot. Yeah. I mean, um, I would feel more comfortable with a guy like Gerald Everett, who's out there running. Yes. Running, running consistent routes in a. Say, someone who actually plays tight end is what you'd be comfortable with. Well, look, if they, if, if he had played 30 snaps and gotten eight carries, then I would be saying yes. Taysom, get it, get him in your lineup. Just play him. You know he's gonna get if he's gonna get eight touches a game. You can't relax. There's no other tight end on the waiver wire who's gonna see eight touches a game. So do that. But but no. But it was it was it was it wasn't that much that many touches. He got the touchdown, so it looks good. He got the long run. You can't bank on that. It's very iffy. It is very very iffy. And Kamara, I would just say, don't despair 
about because I, I actually think it's good that the overall touches were down for Kamara. Where something we've talked about, where he was, he's just miscast in like that bell cow, like 25, oh, yeah. 30 touch role. Like this is not him. He'll, he's going to wear down under that role. That's never been his role. And he didn't convert that insane volume into production last year. And he just seems much better as like a pick your spots, explosive, like, you know, kind of like Austin Eckler, DeAndre Swift type. And so I don't mind um, Alvin Kamara being back more like the 15 to 18 touch range. The four targets is what's going to scare fantasy managers, you know, because it's Jameis Winston too, a guy not exactly known for checking down, but I think the four target, I mean, the saints were down two scores at halftime. They were down 26 to 10 in the second half. It's Jameis Winston, at quarterback. you're just not going to be checking down in that situation. And I really think it was this game script and game environment is why the targets were not greater for Alvin Kamara. And I I really would not be worried about Alvin Kamara's usage. And I, I think we're going to get pretty vintage Alvin Kamara usage going forward. I, you know, I, I hope so. Um, Part of me thinks that the the Kamara we knew was predicated on Drew Brees. Just it's, it's quite possible being a great screen passer, you know, like like and and being willing to just dump it off time and again and again. Um, that that generated so much PPR scam production for Kamara, who added to it by being a great uh, runner after the catch. So. Um, I, I don't know if those days are coming back. I don't. I don't think. Of course, you drafted him in the second round, probably. So you're you're not you're not looking for peak Kamara. I don't think peak Kamara's peak Kamara is running is walking through that door anytime soon. That's uh, kind of dark, but uh, I, I say I didn't draft Alvin Kamara anywhere. I have him in one league, and it stinks. I'm very smart, so I just didn't do that. Um, <laughs> the Cam Akers. No, I drafted that guy. <laughs> I actually uh, really dialed off Cam Akers after August first. Yeah, there were some there were some issues with Akers latency. I I will say in leagues where I got Kamara in the second round, I look at those second round receivers and I think, why did I abandon yeah, my religious yeah. beliefs? Michael Pittman. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I know you're being excommunicated from whatever church you attend, <laughs> uh, Denny. We'll be right back after this. Don't forget to check out Matthew Barry's new show, Fantasy Football Happy Hour with Matthew Barry. The legendary fantasy football analyst is back with NBC and Roto World and doing what he does best, rolling out his love-hate list, breaking down who to start and sit, and so much more. There will also be plenty of actionable information along the way for you sports bettors. Check it out weekdays at noon on Peacock or listen to the show on podcast form wherever you download and subscribe. Denny, you're the waivers man. You're the yeah. waiver wires man and – you got to do like the the flavors of the week, so that's why you wrote, I believe, sixty six hundred words on Jeff Wilson this week. Go check it out. Go read every last word on it. Um, but you also you like to take some like looking forward ads, like people who might not be hot additions this week, people who might not be startable this week. But who are some of this week's looking forward ads from your waiver wire column on NBC Sports Edge, powered by Roto World? Yeah, so I, you know, I mentioned Wilson, but in that same 49ers backfield, I think it would be savvy of folks to add uh, uh, Tyrion Davis Price, uh, not Price Davis, like I always want to say. It seemed like you had never seen that name before. <laughs> like you're gonna right. Tyrion Lancaster. I was I was scrolling as I was talking. Uh, <laughs> Tyrion Davis Price, uh, you know, like I said earlier in the show, it could end up being uh, the the early down back. Um, for the Niners. So if you don't want to go, you know, if you don't want to spend a lot of, a lot of free agent budget, if you don't want to 
use your top waiver claim to get Jeff Wilson. Just scoop up uh, TDP and and be done with it. So, I mean, real, would you rather add Tyrion Davis Price or Jordan Mason? I, I think Davis Price. I think you're right too. To be, I, I do think that's a pretty good point that Ray made. That it probably really was just about special teams. Yeah, and, yeah. I, I I was really like I really thought that was a a good uh, a good point. So, and then some other running backs that I mentioned in the piece to add. Just, just looking forward, Eno you know, Benjamin was the very much the clear cut number two running back in Arizona behind James Conner. Now, as long as James Conner is okay, healthy, upright. Uh, he that you know Benjamin will not be a thing for fantasy, um, but he has great contingency value. Daryl Williams, by the way, um, <clears throat> is a non-entity in the backfield. Did not see the field uh, against the Chiefs. Yeah, he seemed like someone who might not have a roster spot for much longer. Darryl so Williams. so add add you know where you can some other some other guys uh, low roster. Jalen Warren uh, for the Steelers. He played every snap after Najee Harris left the game with his foot injury. Apparently Najee is okay. He's one of those running backs who's never really hurt. So, um, so, but but you might want to scoop up Warren on your bench. Dontrell Hilliard is the clear insurance behind uh, Derek Henry. Raheem Mostert is is available in half of leagues, um, and he would be the lead back for Miami if anything happens to Chase Edmonds. So, those are just some guys who, again, don't have much appeal right now. You can stash, and something happens to the starter. We're not wishing that, but it does happen. The chaos takes hold, and suddenly you have a guy who sees 15 to 18 touches. Denny, someone we weren't going to talk about today, but someone has asked who's watching live, someone I did not know how to rank this week, about James Cook. Right. Is he even rosterable right now? I kind of feel like he's not. I don't think so. No, I mean, uh, he, you know, he had that fumble, I think, on his first touch. It was his first career touch, the the good old-fashioned Kareem Hunt. I mean, wow. Wow, and and he's not going to get the forgiveness that Andy Reid offered, uh, Cream Hunt. Um, Zach Moss needs to be added in a lot of leagues. Zach Moss appears to be back from uh, his injury uh, ravage 2021. Really, I mean, it was it was bad for him in 2020. Folks forget he was the lead back over Ke- over Devin Singletary um, for for a stretch there, especially late in the season. Zach Moss is one Devin Singletary uh, injury away from from being the lead back in Buffalo. So, so pick him up. Yeah, the Athletics Joe Biscalia beat that drum all summer, including on our podcast, and it was correct that Zach Moss is going to be a part of that. He didn't look very good against the Rams. I will say, and Devin Singletary again looked like the best Bills back. They just yeah, they just do not want to commit to him. And yeah, right. So I I would say. Moss is not usable until something until something happens there. But the James Cook thing, uh, I'm sorry to the drafters, not happening. Denny, right. you wanted to mention. I I was hoping to kind of run out the clock on this. <laughs> I, you wanted to talk about Greg Dortch. Uh, what what team does he even play for, Denny? Tell uh, tell the people about Greg Dortch. Greg Dortch plays for a team known as the Arizona Cardinals. Um, you may have heard of them from such places as being crushed by the Chiefs this past weekend. <laughs> Um, look, look, Rondell Moore suffered a serious hamstring injury right before the season. He, he's out, like he's not going to play. I don't think anytime soon, I guess we have to make sure of that going forward. But Greg Dorch played almost every slot snap against the chiefs. Let me finish. Do not cut my mic. Um, he was the top targeted Cardinals pass catcher. He led the team 
it was, I'm sorry, he was second on the team in pass routes just behind Marquise Brown. Um, Dorch had a 27.5% target share against Kansas City. So until Rondell Moore returns from injury, I think Dorch is just a plugged-in PPR scamish type player. And and you get in, in deeper leagues, I think you should pick him up and you should consider starting him. Yeah, you got to go where the snaps are, where the snaps, targets usually follow, especially in this kind of offense. But, man, they just look. So they looked bad enough where I'm like almost worried about Kyler Murray. I know they that's that's right. Defense was lifeless. I, I I can't decide which was worse, the run defense or the pass defense. Um I, I know they were playing Mahomes and everything, but you it'll be worth watching this week. So they're gonna be chasing points. They have a terrible receiver group. Uh and I'm sorry, Marquise Brown It is horrible. It's Marquise Brown is, is no one's idea of an alpha number one receiver. Um he's just he's not. So you're going to, so a guy, this means, I think that a guy like Greg Dorch, is just going to fall into some, some targets. Like he, he's not, he's not great, but it doesn't matter. As much as we joke about Cliff Kingsbury, like it is for real. He's just not a good coach. Like we know we've seen back-to-back games, like big time games where like the wild card game that they had just no plan at all. Like no discernible approach. Like it just blown out of the building. They're playing you know, a major league team, the Kansas City Chiefs in week one. Same thing. Chiefs do whatever they want on offense. Cliff seems to have no coherent plan. On, I mean, it's tough because Rondale Moore and Zach Ertz both got hurt during the week. But like, this is the NFL. Like you've, you, that you plan and adjust around those things every single week. Yeah. Cliff, Cliff just never seems to have answers. They seem to always run reasonably fine if they've got like their normal 11. But you have your normal 11 – for like one or two games a year. And Cliff Kingsbury is always saying things where you go, are you not the head coach? It's like, <laughs> it's, it's like if a, if a president was like, uh, well, we, we need to do this in the white house, the white house needs to do this. You're the president. You do it. <laughs> and our producer, uh, Adam points out the Raiders opened as three and a half point favorites over the, the Cardinals this week. It's already risen to five and a half. So yeah, the people, the people known as sharps think the Cardinals stink. Yeah, I think it. I think it'll be something of a bloodbath. By the way, I just wanted to mention this about the Texans' backfield because we just talked about. Oh no! Okay, all right, I mean, I'm going to cut his mic this wait, time. No, wait, 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 wait. Lovey Smith said this is his quote from from just now as we're podcasting. Quote: Sometimes when you look back. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Was that wrong when I gave Rex Burkhead 40 touches? Sometimes when you look back, you can't defend the amount of reps our starting tailback got. <laughs> In some of those situations, I wish Pierce had gotten more and we're going to work to get him more of those opportunities. This is after he played, uh, Pierce played 27% of the team's snaps. So I, I, I'm, I'm wary when coaches say that sort of thing. Look, if you want a guy in, he'll be in. That is about as forthright of a coach quote as you'll ever hear. Where he's basically like, yeah, I mean, like my bad on the Rex Burkhead thing. Like I'm sorry you had to watch that. I know I, there are I, children that watch the games, and uh, we're sorry we we goofed. I, yeah, I mean Patrick Crane made a great point after the game, which was that hey, Pierce never was a workhorse in four years in college. Okay, like maybe maybe there's something to that. Uh oh. F- final question before we end the show, and yeah. a serious question. I mean, it's the kind of thing we talk about jokingly. Who do you think will be fired first, Matt Rule or Cliff Kingsbury? Uh, Rule. 
Yeah, I, I just think that it's it's not working. And you can't look that bad against the team starting Jacoby Brissett. And another team that just doesn't have a plan. Like no plan. You, you can't you don't turn on the Carolina Panthers game and like, oh at least see what they're doing. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what, no, what are you what are you doing? There's no strategy. The strategy is to hold on to the, my job. That's, yeah. that's the, <laughs> the the strategy. Just to do just just enough. And by the way, the the management for the Cardinals apparently loves Cliff Kingsbury, so he's not going anywhere. They do. I mean, they gave him an extension in March, but I, I honestly, I think both these coaches might be gone before Halloween. I really do. No, no, I no, I, I mean, well, okay. The one, the one situation where Kingsbury's gone is if they start like zero and six, then maybe. I, which is looking in play. Yeah, sure. Well, that, that was a good show. It's a good week too. We got oh, finally have we have games in the book again. Just give. I just wanted some data. That's all I wanted. I wanted new stats. Me too. I and After I and I, I have been done nothing but look at that data for forty eight hours straight. I'm engorging <laughs> on it. Yeah, I need. I, I need to take a nap. I've had enough data to oh, last a lifetime. <laughs> now, now I want less data. Thank, thankfully, the season's over. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thankfully, this show is over. Thank you so much for joining us. Please check out the site. Check out Denny's waiver column. Check out my rankings in a day or two. Check out our week one preview show in two days with myself, Denny Carter, Kyle Dvorak, and a triumphantly returning Patrick Corain from the city of Las Vegas, Nevada. We'll break down all of week two's games. Uh, thank you for listening. For Denny, I'm Pat. We'll catch you later.